Good evening, everybody. A special welcome to Ellie and Jenny Abraham from Detroit for sponsoring the shear tonight. Again, I think they do hold the record for most shearim sponsored. And we have Mr. Abraham with us as well. Welcome. Topic this evening is Bar Yochai. I'd like to teach you the song in the official Svardi accent, and we'll sing it together. Bar Yochai. The truth is, Rabbi Azarad. A quick rendition, a little something. For the Tzibur. Off the record. <laughs> So we know there's many different ideas surrounding Lag Baomer, the, uh, the famous Gemara with Rabbi Akiva, his students who were passing away up until Lag Baomer, and the Shulchan Aruch tells us that Lag Baomer is a day where we don't say Tachnun, there's some level of Simcha, because the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying. That's one idea that we've uh, explored in previous shirim. And we also know there's much to be said regarding the connection between Reb Shimon Bar Yochai and Lag Bomer. If you were to ask most people what is that connection, they would probably tell you Lag Bomer is the yard site of the Rashbi. Many do suggest that's the case, but we'll see, there might be more to it than that. I'd like to get involved briefly with the personality what we know from different places throughout Shas and Chazal, um, of the Rashbi, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, and tie it in to the celebration of Lag Baomer. Many of us are familiar with the Chazal that teaches us in the generation of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, there was never a rainbow in the sky, which testifies to his righteousness. Generally, the rainbow is a bris that a Kaddish Baruch Hu needs to send the world, that although there is evil taking place, there's injustice, but uh, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm showing the rainbow as a covenant, as a bris between myself, a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and humanity. However, if there's never that level of evil, which would warrant a Kaddish Baruch Hu showing the symbol of a rainbow, then there's no need for a rainbow. So, generation of the Rashbi, there was never a rainbow. Once he passed away, that was the first time in, uh, in many, many years that the world had a rainbow. And the B'nai Yisachar and others, and they explain this might be the Makar, this might be the source for why the Talmidim go out into the fields and play softball. Or back in the olden days, before softball, they would uh, play with bows and arrows. Hatamhu, the reasons based on this idea, that during the lifetime of Rishim Bar Yochai, there was not a keshis to be found, and only once he passed away, on the day of his petira, then there had to be a rainbow in the sky, so the, uh, the bow and arrow is representing the keshis. The Menei Sefzer goes on to say, Says, furthermore, this might explain the minig of lighting a fire. I was in the parking lot today of young Israel, and from a distance I saw what looked to be like a teepee. And I wasn't sure what it was. And as I got closer, I realized they're really setting up for Lag Bomer. 
They're making us look bad over here. Isaac, we have to do something about this. We have the, the, the beer chametz, that's a good spot for a, for a teepee. But where does this idea come from? So explains the B'nai Yisachar. Shenogin laharbos ba'or b'yom ha'hu, yoma dehilula derashbi. Because it was on that day when the Rashbi left the world, he was Megala Rozin Biyom Hahu Beidra Kedisha in his holy circle amongst those who were learning Kabbalah from Abshimon Bar Yochai. He revealed deep secrets of the Kabbalah representing the Or HaTorah, the light, and that's why we have the bonfire. So we have the bow and arrow, we have the bonfire. Everything is understood now regarding Lag Bomer. Now this Gemara of Rabbi Akiva, where it speaks about the terrible tragedy of losing his Talmidim, the Gemara's description of what the world was after his yeshiva was decimated, is Olam shameim, that the world was totally destroyed. It was desolate. Right? The, the Torah power that we had, the Mesorah, that was really being held up by the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva, was no longer here. Ajibah Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva picked himself up, he went to the south, and he taught five new Talmidim, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Elazar, Ben Shemua. And Rabbi Shimon, we know all throughout Mishnayis, is always a reference to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So he had five, two, five new Talmidim, Beheim, Heim, Hemidu, Torah, Ososha, and they were the ones that were able to hold up the Torah in that time period, they were able to make themselves a link in the chain. In Rav Yaakov Hillel Sefer, Ascending Jacob's Ladder, he says, most people think of Lagba Omer, like we mentioned, as the day of Rav Shem Bar Yochai's passing. It is called the Yom Hilula, a day of rejoicing. Because when a tzaddik passes on, he takes with him a lifetime of holiness and goodness. The Arizal calls Lagba Omer Yom Simchaso, the day of his happiness, referring to the Simcha of the Rashbi. Because on this day, Reb Shimon Bar Yochai was ordained, he was given smicha by Rebbe Akiva. So the Arizal doesn't say that Lagba Omer is the yard site of the Rashbi. What he does say is that this was the day that after Rabbi Akiva left his yeshiva and he tried to cultivate five new Talmidim, he gave smicha to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. That was Lag Baomer. Rabbi Yaakov Hillel writes, we actually have no authoritative source going back hundreds of years that tells us that Lag Baomer is actually the day of the Rashbi's passing. However, there is a tradition that he passed away on that very day. The Archashulchan and others bring that tradition. The Arizal does not dispute this, but he does explain that the joyous celebration is not because of the passing of the Rashbi, but rather it's because of the, the, the smicha, the ordination that was granted to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai on the 33rd day of the Omer. He says, both the Chida and the Ben Ishchai say, that on Lagba Omer was not only a special day for the Rashbi, but for the other Talmidim as well. All five Talmidim Rav Yekiva, they were officially granted smicha on the 33rd day of the Omer.
We see throughout Shas that Rav Shimon Bar Yochai was a devoted Talmud of Rabbi Akiva. There's a story in the Gemara in Pesachim where it says Rabbi Akiva was in prison and there was a decree against him that he was not allowed to teach Torah. However, the Rashbi snuck his way into the, uh, the area where Rabbi Akiva was being held and he said, Rebbe, Lamdeni Torah, please teach me Torah. Tell me something. Give me some wisdom. Rabbi Kiva said back, I'm not going to teach you. I'm not allowed to. I'm, I'll be risking your life. So he said, if you don't teach me Torah, I'm going to tell my father, Yochai, and he'll give you into the authorities. Now, he was already given into the authorities, but that was his way of expressing his deep desire to learn from his great Rebbe. Parenthetically, it's interesting that he calls his father by his name. That's for a different halachic discussion. How was he able to do that? It could be because he adds the word Abba, which is a phrase of, of uh, dignity or chashivas. Okay, we're going to get there as well. So Amrlo Rabbi Kiva says back, Bani, you should know, Yosim imasha egel rotze linak, poro rotze lehonik, this is the famous line, that more than the calf wants to nurse, the mother wants to give milk, the mother wants to express milk. So no matter how much you want to be learning Torah, trust me, I want to be teaching you Torah. It's more pain and anguish for me than it is for you. But this is a glimpse into the relationship between the Rashbi and Rabbi Akiva and the devotion that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai had for his great Rebbe. The Gemara in Gittin says that when Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai would speak to his Talmidim, he would sometimes say, Banai, my children, you should learn from me because everything that I have, every aspect of Torah that I'm sharing with you is the creme de la creme of Rabbi Akiva. That's the Rashbi spoke French as well. But his point was, not only have I learned everything I know from Rabbi Akiva, but I've, I've been able to distill the Chachma that I can give it over to you in a clear and concise and powerful way. Who was one of the great Talmidim of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? So he had many, but one of the most well-known was Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi the actual compiler and the editor of the Mishnah. We have the Gemara in Shabbos that tells us Rabbi Huda Hanasi learned under Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and just now appreciating the, the words of the Gemara that when the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva was decimated, ha'olam shameim, the world was totally uh, desolate, it was destroyed, until he went down to the south, he was able to to give smicha to five new Talmidim, according to the Arizal, that smicha was given on Lagba Omer, right? So the continuity of the Mesorah, so to speak, was staying alive on Lagba Omer. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, one of the five Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, becomes the Rabbi of Rabbi Huda Hanasi, the author of the Mishnah. So not only was he a Makabal of the Mesorah, but he was a Nose, and he was one of the Bale Mesorah. He was able to give on the Torah that he received from his great Rebbe. Now most people, when you think of the greatest accomplishment of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, 
What name comes to mind? What safer? The Zohar. The Zohar. We're not going to get involved now with the questions of Rabbi Yaakov Emden, the historical debate, but Alpi Mesora, the Graal, the Ramchal, the Maral, all of the Gedoli Yisrael understood that the Zohar is traced back to the teachings and the wisdom of the Rashbi. And just to get a time frame here, Rishim Barachai was born right around the Chorban Bayashemi, so around the year 70 CE. So the teachings that we have in the Zohar that go back to the Rashbi are about 1,800 years old, 1,900 years old. The truth is, you could argue his greatest accomplishment was not just the Zohar, that's the Torah of Nister, right, the Kabbalah, but Nigla. If you look throughout Mishnayis, how many times is Reb Shimon quoted? And again, whenever the Mishnah says, Amar Reb Shimon, it means Reb Shimon Bar Yochai. So more than 300 times throughout Shas, he is the fourth most quoted name in all Mishnayis. So his greatest contribution was not only the Zohar, but every halacha, every hashkafa that we have from the Rashbi, all throughout Shas. So many of the, of the halachas that we observe every single day, every Shabbos, are based on the opinion of Reb Shimon. And we paskin like Reb Shimon often. But obviously Zohar was a, a very special contribution to the world. And although all of the five new Talmidim of Rebbe Akiva, the ones that in his own words he describes, I taught these in my old age, the Rashbi was clearly known for his expertise in the Torah's Hanister, in the world of, of Jewish mysticism. I'd like to take a look here together. This is from the Hagdama to the Eitz Chaim, the introduction to the Sefer Eitz Chaim that was composed by Rav Chaim Vital. And he was the, probably the greatest disciple of the Arizal, the only disciple that the Arizal allowed to write down his teachings. In this introduction, he speaks about the Rashbi, and he says, Baruch Hashem Elokei Yisrael, Eshelo Ozov Chasdo V'amito, HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't leave us. V'nosan lano Torah mitis v'chai olam nata b'sochenu. He gave us the truth of Torah, he implanted the Torah within us. V'hivdi lano me'ame erotzos. He separated us from the other nations. V'nosan lano chukav v'mishpatav ha'yisharim. And he gave us his mitzvos that are true. It was with the Hebrew Yisera, it was with the great love, the Ava, that he allowed us to know Rose, the secrets of the Torah. The Torah's haponimius, the Torah of the, the internal world. He says, based on the depth, based on the complexity of Kabbalah, it was never allowed to be shared openly and explicitly, either in Torah Shebechsav, in the written word, or even Torah Shebalpeh, or passed along orally. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did make mention or create allusions within the Torah Shebechsav and Torah Shebalpeh 
two deeper Kabbalistic ideas. The Nevi'im speak about these concepts. We have Gemaras and Agadata, but everything is shrouded in mystery on purpose. These are not for public consumption. There had to be special training. You had to be part of a special school of those who were groomed for learning the Chachmas Hanister, the wisdom of Kabbalah. It's interesting, actually, the Ramban refers to this in his introduction to his commentary on the Chumash. The Ramban had a, a very unique uh, Masorah in Kabbalah himself. But writes Ruchayim Vital, what happened throughout the generations is that this Chachma, this hidden wisdom, was, was weakened. And there were fewer people who were really trained, who had the expertise to understand the, the amkus, the, 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 the beauty and the depth of this Chachma. Ad, hofiya Hashem in Hashemayim, Dover Bikacho, Bahar Homer, all your day, Rashbi, Zechre Tzadik, Levracha, Vachaverov. Until Akadosh Baruchu orchestrated that there should be a chizik, there should be this infusion of strength to the Chachmas Hanister, to the wisdom of Kabbalah, through Rab Shimon Bar Yochai and his Chevra and his Talmidim. La'akma Shechinta Me'afra to pick up the Divine Presence from the dust and to raise up the banner of Torah in the world. And he goes on to say that the light and the splendor and the radiance that was brought back into Olam Hazeh through the Rashbi Vachaverov, it's an Or HaKodosh, it's the holy light that was brought back into the world by the Rashbi. What was the secret to his success? What was it about Rav Shimon Bar Yochai that allowed him to not just be makabel and, and absorb and internalize the, the wisdom of Torah, both Nigla and Nister, but what was that secret ingredient that allowed him to pass it on? And as we see, up until this point, it's a very difficult tradition to pass on authentically because you can't be explicit and you can't write things down. And the ideas must be shrouded in mystery. So what was the, uh, the nakuda? what was that, that quality that the Rashbi had? I think the answer is actually found in the Zohar itself. Number nine, we have a quote here of the Zohar. Amr Rabbi Abba. Kol ilin chavre de lo rechimin ilin leilin. Whenever you have a group of, of lomdim, of people learning together, but there's a lack of love or respect for each other, istalku me'alma ad lo mota zamnaihu, they will be taken from the world before their time. They and their Torah will not continue. An example of that would be Rabbi Akiva's Talmidim. The Gemara says, as we mentioned last week, the only reason we know why the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva were not protected against this pandemic was lo nogu kovud They didn't treat each other with respect. It sounds like Reb Shimon Bar Yochai with his Talmidim he was able to take the lesson of what happened in his Rebbe's yeshiva 
and, and work the opposite direction. Kol chavrayu biyoma de Rabbi Shimon. The Zohar says all of the Talmidim, under the guidance of Rabbi Shimon, rechimu the nafshir rucha have benayhu. There was a sense of achtus, of camaraderie, of mutual respect. O begin kach, and because of this, bedora de Rabbi Shimon beis hava. The Zohar here tells us explicitly the reason why Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was Zohar to be the conduit of, of Torah's Hanister, of Kabbalah, is because of the achtus that he was able to generate amongst his students. To have Omer Rabbi Shimon, because Rabbi Shimon said, Kol If you ever have Talmidim who are not loving and caring for each other, as is appropriate, Garmin de Not only will they and their Torah not last, but they're being pogame. They're defiling, they're, they're disgracing the Torah. Because the behavior is really the exact opposite of what the Torah calls upon us to do. Because Torah is truth. Truth comes with a sense of, of Rahmanus, of compassion and love. And if you're lacking that, you're lacking that humanity, then you're lacking the Torah. So it seems like what the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva was, was lacking, that was the success of the Rashbi. Now we know the, uh, the famous story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son, where they had to hide from uh, the Roman authority. And first they were in the base medrash together. But then as the gezerah was intensified, they realized that it was not a safe place to, uh, to stay. So therefore they decided to go to, uh, to a local cave. The famous Maisa of Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, Ubenor, Alazar, living in the cave together for 12 years, the Gemara says, and the whole thing was miraculous. There was a carob tree that was growing there. There was a spring of water. I always had the question, though, if you want to sustain the Rashbi and his son, why a carob tree? Right? Make it something that actually tastes good. Right? Maybe an apple tree, a mango tree. But they were living through miracles. And in order not to wear out their clothing, they would take off their clothing, they would stay all day immersed in the sand, they'd be learning Torah together and meditation, and when it was time for tefillah, then they got dressed again. After 12 years, Elio Novi comes to the entrance of the cave, and he says, no longer um, a need to be concerned. The, uh, the emperor and the gezera, they're gone. Okay, Baruch Hashem, they come out of the cave, and we know how the story continues. The first thing we're told is, Chazu vizari. They see their people working and plowing and harvesting, and they were taken aback. How in the world, Don't you realize that we're here in Olam Hazef for just a few minutes? And there's so much to accomplish in the realm of spirituality, and you're just outside working the field? What is the matter with you? And anywhere they would look immediately, it would be burnt to a crisp. 
They had no tolerance for any engagement in the physical world because they were kulo ruchani. They, they were totally spiritual beings after those 12 years in the cave. The only problem was that being a purely spiritual being in this world, not a good combination. And you're going to end up destroying people. So the Baskal comes out and says, back in your room. If you're not ready to behave, another 12 months in the cave. And that's what happened. So a year goes by. Finally, they get a chance to come out again. One more try. And they hear the bas kol, come out of your cave. And they do so. Now this time, the Gemara doesn't say that wherever they looked or wherever they set their gaze upon, it would be nisraf, it would burn. Rather, whatever they would encounter, somehow, Rabbi Lazar would, would strike it in some way. But Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, his father, would be able to heal whatever Rabbi Lazar did. So the father, right, the Rashbi, was damage control over his son as they got acclimated back into the real world, so to speak. Now, it's interesting, the end of the story, we know that the son-in-law of the Rashbi, Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer, he sees his father-in-law, and obviously he looks very different than he did before they had to escape. And he's giving him a massage, he's trying to treat his wounds, and he sees that his back is, has cracks and it's... it's uh, wrinkly, and there are wounds all over the place, and, they, and he starts to cry, and the, one of the tears drips onto the back of his father-in-law, and the Rashbi lets out a scream. It's painful. Pinchas ben Yar says, Oy li Woe to me that I have to see you in this condition. You've been through so much suffering. You're worn out. You're ois mensch. You're in so much pain. The Rashbi says back, Right, you're fortunate to see me like this. Because if I wasn't in this condition right now, you wouldn't find the level of, of growth and Torah and wisdom that I have within me. Which is an amazing insight that the Rashbi was telling his son-in-law, yes, I've been through really, really difficult times. And I have been suffering. And leaving the world and my family behind for 13 years is not something that I would have chosen to do if, if I had the option initially. However, I could also look back at my suffering and I could say with confidence, I'm a different person because I had to go through it. Somehow the, the Yisurim, the, the emelus, that, that toil and suffering, enabled me to absorb the wisdom of Torah to a, to a degree that I would never have been zocha to otherwise. So, Ashrecha, you're fortunate to see me like this. I was always wondering, based on this Gemara, when they finally get out of the cave, why was it so much easier for Reb Shimon Bar Yochai to, to get back into society and and not strike everything that he saw. 
But for his son, Elazar, it, it was a longer transition. If anything, I would have assumed the opposite. The Rashbi was on a higher madrega than his son. He was in the Himmels. He was mamish, you know, like the Malachim. I would have assumed it would be a lot more difficult for the Rashbi to, to get back down into the uh, Olam Hazah mentality. So I, I saw in Oros Hagra, this is a quote from the Vilna Gaon, where he explains the difference between Roshim Baruchai and his son Rebbe Lazar. The Gra says, L'fish Rebbe Lazar lo haya baki yadayin b'tzarche olam. Before a Lazar went into the cave, he was nichnas b'yaldusa l'mara. He went in as a young boy. And he never really had interactions or engagement with the world. Therefore, after a few years, the, the ways of the world were forgotten to a lazar. And there is some discussion chronologically at what point did the Rashbi go into the cave? And the Gura is telling us clearly it was when he was older. And he was already aware of how things worked in Olam Hazeh. He didn't forget the physicality. He was able to transcend way above and beyond it, but he still understood what Olam Hazeh was, and that's why it was an easier transition for the Rashbi than it was for his son, Elazar. That's what the Gros says. Now it's clear throughout Shas that the Rashbi really lived on a whole different plane of Hashkacha. The Gemara and Me'ila tells us that when they were trying to figure out who to send to the Roman authorities to rip up the Gezeros, the decrees against the Jews, they chose of Shimon Bar Yochai, because Shehu Melumad Benisim. He's experienced. He's, 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 uh, he's used to living with miracles. So let's send the Rashbi, and I'm sure things will work out. So the Gemara relates that the Shem Bar went along. He took somebody else with him. And as they're going to Rome, he has no plan formulated yet. But that's part of living on a miracle. Nizdam in law, he says, uh, to the cross of Ben Tamalion. Ben Tamalion, who was actually a shade... Right? It was a demon. Ben Tamalion came to greet the Rashbi and his partner as they were walking to the Roman authority. And he said politely, would you like me to come with you? I could give you a hand. What's the response of Rabshim Bar Yochai? Bochor Rabshim Bar Yochai, he started to cry. And he said, Ma shivcha shel beis abba nizdamin la malach shlosh pomim. Avram Avinu had a shifcha, her name was Hagar. And she was Zohar to have an angel appear to her three times. And I can't even get one angel. All I can get is a shade. Reboisai, after all of my years of work and bitachon, HaKadosh Baruch you're only giving me a shade? Nonetheless, he said, if that's all I could, uh, could get for now, let's go. And they go together, and the story continues that the shade possesses the, the body of the daughter of the emperor. And then as soon as Shem Bar Yochai gets there, there's a whole commotion, there's a scene, there's a crisis. 
and they turn to the rabbi who seems holy and, and wise, can you do something? My daughter has been taken advantage of by some uh, spiritual force. And the Rashbi says, no problem. He says, uh, Ben Talmon say, Ben Talmon say, leave Ben Talmon, go out of the girl. And that's what happens. And Baruch Hashem, through this, they were able to destroy the uh, decrees against the Jews. But we're talking about a human being where when he came home and his wife said, so how was the trip to Rome? It was okay. Were you successful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you able to get rid of all those bad decrees? Yeah, we found it. We ripped it up. So what's the matter, honey? <laughs> you did such a wonderful job. And he starts to cry. He said, you don't understand, right? Ben Talmud had to come and help us? <laughs> a demon? We couldn't even get one malach. That was the madreg of the Rashbi. Now, although he was living uh, with miracles, his Rebbe, Rebbe Akiva, gave the clear advice, and it's a halacha we find in Shulchan Aruch as well, it's quoted, Better to make your Shabbos mundane and not to have fancy food than to need to ask other people for money. So you could have a lot of bitachon, you could be living with the clarity of Enon Milvado, but at the same time, be smart, be responsible. Don't just throw away money, you have to make sure you're, you're keeping a budget, you're keeping a cheshbon. But when it came to the discussion of how many hours a day should I be learning versus working, so we know that Rabbi Shem Baruchai was the Bar Plugta, he argued with Rabbi Yishmol, and he was of the opinion, have to learn every second of the day. None of this narishkeit that I have to make a parnasa, and I have to bring home money for the family, and health insurance, and car insurance, and electricity. Just learn, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take care of you. The expression of the Rashbi was, You're going to do all these things, the harvesting and the reaping and taking things in and out of the field. What's going to happen to your Torah learning? What's going to happen to the Torah learning? If you're Ehrlich, if you're real, if you're genuine, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take care of you. Now, if someone were to actually give you this advice, you would be skeptical, right? Rebbe, I'm having a hard time making enough per month. Our budget's about $8,000. I'm bringing in six and a half. We're about 40 grand right now in credit card debt. What do you suggest? Torah, matahe aleha. Just keep on using the credit card. Akadosh Baruch Hu will, will take care of you. So for the Hamonam, for the vast majority of us, it's probably not responsible advice. And the Gemara actually says, Many people followed the advice of Rabbi Yishmol, meaning they learned many hours a day, and they worked, and they were able to do both. Now, what does many hours a day actually mean? Right? How, how many hours your average balabas, an accountant, a lawyer, a person in real estate, a doctor, how many hours were they learning per day? So the Shach in Yeridea says, 
He's, he's discussing what you should be learning, right? Torah Shebichsav, Torah Shebalpeh, how do you divide the time? And he says it's very important that you learn Shas, you go through Gemara, Rashi, Tosfos. But he says for those Balabatim who only learn three or four hours a day, they should make sure to incorporate Halacha Lemaisa as well. So even those who were following Rabbi Yishmael, it was more than 10 minutes a day. They were really applying themselves to be able to learn and work, and they were successful. Karebi Shimon Bar Yochai, but those who followed the higher madrega of the Rashbi, lo also biyodan, the vast majority of people did not succeed, and they were not able to continue living that life, l'malam in hateva. Now it's interesting that Rashbi himself understood this. There's a line that's quoted often, Rav Shem Bar Yochai said, or he's quoted to have said, Re'isi b'nei Aliyah, I have seen b'nei Aliyah, I've seen people who really excel. I've seen people that they don't only speak about growth, but they actually, they, they, they change themselves. And they're able to, to work on midos. And they're able to learn more than they did before and wake up earlier. And as they grow older, year by year, they come closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I've seen those people, vahein muatin. But they're the minority of the population. Re'isi b'nei aliyah vahein muatin. But there are not that many of them out there. Halavai, our tefillah is we should be amongst those muatin. To conclude, I think one of the most unique aspects of the Rashbi is when we put everything together, right? We have this chain of Mesora. We have Rabbi Akiva and the, the failed experiment, so to speak, with the yeshiva of thousands of Talmidim. What they were lacking was the Mila that Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai had. And likely he made that a focus because of the teachings that he gained from his Rebbe and the experience that his Rebbe had to go through. And that says the Zohar, that was why the Zohar was accepted. That's why the Torah's Hanister, the entire teaching of Kabbalah, was able to go through the Rashbi because he had that, 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 that Chavivis, that, that Ava, that, that mutual respect. To be on a Madrega where you could literally say, I don't work and all I do is learn and the Kaddish Baruch Hu takes care of the Parnasa and you're the real deal, like the Rashbi was. Every time in Mishnayas and Shas where it says, if you're learning all day, what's an example of someone who learns all day? Like Reb Shimon Bar Yochai and his Haverim, so then you have a different, different standard of halacha. You might not have to stop in Davin if you're learning on that level of, 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 of diligence. So to be on that level, but at the same time to have a complete hakara and, and desire to relate to others and to love other people, even though I'm, I'm so above and beyond you, that duality is something that's very, very special. I, I saw in the Tekanos of the Ramak, the Ramak, Ramosha Cardovero, one of the, the great Kabbalists of all time, the author of the Toma Devorah and other Kabbalistic works. The Ramak says, Rechaim Velazhin, 
brought Kabbalah to you know, one particular level, and then the Arizal brought it to the next Madrega. But the Ramak is known as kind of setting forth the foundation of Kabbalah, living in Svas in that magical time, together with the Arizal and the Beis Yosef and the Sefer Haredim and the Shlobol Kabbats. So we have actually the Takanos, or the, the Kabbalos, the, 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 the dreams and, and, the, and the acceptance that he made. He wrote down, these are the things I want to accept upon myself, and there are actually many more than these, threes, but, than these three, but I want to highlight number one and number three. So when we think of making Kabbalos, what's an example of a Kabbalah? From the hours of three to four, I am not going to say any lush and horror at all. Three to four a.m. We'll work on daytime hours later. <laughs> no lush and horror. Or from now on, at least once every three weeks, I'm going to bench from a bencher. <laughs> That's a Kabbalah. Says the Ramak, Al yifne libo milaharher bedivrei Torah vedivrei kedusha. I am being macabre upon myself not to allow my heart to stray, my mind to wander from thinking about words of Torah and Devarim Shibba Kedusha. Shalo yehe libo panui vireik merhure mitzvah, betovra mitzvah, that my mind should never be empty or void from thinking of Kedusha and Devekis and mitzvos. In order that my heart should be a sanctuary for the divine presence. How many of you have made a Kabbalah that your heart should become a sanctuary for the divine presence? And if you did, we should speak after, because that's not a very healthy Kabbalah to make on our Madrega. But then take a look at number three. I will always be able to relate to other people. And speak to them and treat them in a pleasant way. And even those people who are doing averos, who are disrespecting me or the Torah, I'm going to treat you like a mensch. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to love you. How do you have these two things working together? On one hand, I want my heart to be a mishkan for the Shekhinah, and I'm never going to stop thinking about Torah, mitzvos, and kedusha. On the other hand, at the same time, I'm going to schmooze with you and ask you questions that interest you, even though I don't like fishing or I never heard of football. But mu'ur v'mabrios, to have both of those working simultaneously, that takes a mastery. That takes a shlita, having real control over oneself spiritually and emotionally. And I think just like we see this in the Ramak, this is what we see in the Rashbi as well. So we come to Lag Omer, just in a, in a few days from now. We celebrate the continuity of the Torah. We celebrate the day that Rabbi Kiva gave smicha to the Rashbi and the other four Talmidim. And ultimately it's a celebration of Misorah that through everything we've been through, we have the fire of Torah, we celebrate, we sing, Bar Yochai, and we appreciate 
the legacy of Shimon, Reb Shimon Bar Yochai. We should be Zoha to emulate his ways. Have a wonderful Shabbos.